0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today, I will waste no time. I'm going to get through these announcements really quick and get right on to the topic of nutritional periodization. This is the process of setting up your diet for the long term. This is something I talk a lot about inside my coaching, inside my mentor clients coaching, and then also just inside of my content because I do believe that If we do not look at our nutrition from a macro level, meaning long-term, 16 weeks, 24 weeks, all the way up to a year, and we do not plan ahead, I believe that you are 10 times more likely to regain the weight, to not last as long in your sport, to not recover as well, um, and just have a harder time. You do not have a plan for the long-term, which sets up your plan for the short-term with less success. So we're going to dive deep into this, and I'm going to cover fat loss, muscle, athlete-specific, and then also health when it comes to nutritional periodization, so you understand how to periodize your nutrition. Before we get into the show, two quick announcements. First and foremost, like I always say, guys, if you appreciate this show, if you like this show, you can do two things for me to help grow this show, reach more people around the world, and help change more lives. You can be a part of that movement, and I would appreciate it if you would join. The two ways to do that, number one, go leave us a five-star rating and review, which is very greatly appreciated uh, because this is how we grow in iTunes, and, and obviously that's a pretty important factor. And number two, take a screenshot of this, post it on your Instagram story, and tag myself at Boom because I want to know who's listening to the show, and I want to know what episodes are touching you most, helping you most, and giving you the best insights to help your results. The next announcement is just a quick Stay tuned message, I guess you could say. I just want to inform you guys that we are going to be releasing the Performance Nutrition Manual soon. So this is where uh, Caroline stepped forward to write this. I jumped in to help edit and co-write this with her. So everything is around our philosophies as coaches in the space. But we're going to teach you how to fuel your workouts, how to fuel recovery, and how to enhance your performance through nutrition. I mean, we go deep into macros and calories and periodization of this process like I'm going to touch on today, supplementation, sodium, hydration, everything that you need to know in order to fuel your body for better performance and better recovery, we are going to talk about in that book, and I am super excited to launch it, and it will be launching very soon. So if you were a CrossFitter, if you were a competitive fitness athlete, if you were an athlete in any sport, or if you were just somebody who was looking to improve in the gym, this ebook is going to be huge for your success. So stay tuned with that, and you guys will get the first announcement to let you know when you can download it. All right, without any further ado, I know I said I was going to be quick with that, and I thought it was going to be quicker than that, but we're three minutes in, so let's get on to the podcast about periodizing your nutrition. All right, so before we can really dive into this topic, let's kind of... Um, Define nutritional periodization. I'm going to link a couple things in the description. So, if you guys want to, after this, go look at a written version of this, a blog that I recently wrote a couple weeks ago that goes really in depth with this entire process. So, you can get it kind of um, written down. It's just sometimes helpful to see it on paper, quote unquote. Um, And then also, I'll link a video that I did on this. And then I'll also link an infographic. So, as you guys can tell, I've done a lot of content on this. And the reason I've done a lot of this is because I truly believe that this is the missing link in a lot of coaching practices. I believe there's a lot of nutrition coaches out there that think so short-term, and they're not examining the long-term. They're not thinking about what their client's going to be doing. I mean, we can even consider before as part of this periodization protocol, right? We're not think, They're not thinking about what's going on before the diet. They're not thinking about where their hormonal and nervous system regulation is during the diet. And they are definitely not thinking about the diet after the diet. And that's the big thing that is, is missing inside of our space. And this is something that we are very passionate about with at Boom Boom Informants about bringing forward and making sure that we – prioritize inside of a nutritional prescription. And the reason we're so specific on this is because we understand that people aren't going to be with us for the rest of our lives, right? We're not going to coach you forever. So what can I do to make sure that you are set up for when we are done? Or let's make sure that you're working with me long enough that we can hit your goal and still have one, two, three, four, however many months after the diet to keep you accountable and structure your nutrition to maintain the result that you received, right? Like I should have pulled up some stats, but I want to say it's two thirds of every person. I'm going to pull up the stats because I have to be exact with this. I hate not being exact. I did an infographic on this a long time ago. Um, Here we go. 85% of people who are overweight or obese will lose weight successfully in their lifetime. So this is important. This is a positive, right? People who are overweight will lose it. 85% is a pretty high number. But 95% of those people will regain all the weight they lost within three years. 30 to 65% of those people, which is a wide range, but it's at least one third, will regain more weight than they lost. So that means... Of 85% of people, right, 85% of people who are obese will lose weight. 95% of those people, which leaves 5% of the people who lose weight, will maintain that weight loss. 5% of those who lose weight will actually maintain the weight that they lost. It's an unbelievably scary statistic, but it's unfortunately true. And that's the reality, right? And we can't get away from the reality on that. This is why nutritional periodization comes into play so heavily in our practice. The only way we can ensure that you are not regaining weight after you lose it is if we periodize your nutrition. If we set you up for a diet after the diet, we create a nutrition protocol that allows you to reverse out of that fat loss phase, reverse out of that cut, reverse out of that diet, and then maintain it. Right? And there's different ways we can do this. So today, I'm going to break down how you can do this in different levels um, for fat loss, building muscle, athlete-specific, and then even health. Right? Because nutritional periodization is not just reverse dieting. It's not just a way to make sure that you don't gain a bunch of weight afterwards. Right, It, it goes much beyond that. Right. So when we're building muscle, how do you maintain digestion and health and, and sustainably build lean muscle without getting fat and having to cut and then going through this vicious cycle? For athletes, how do you go through your season successfully and then afterwards actually recover, right? We can deload your training, but what about your nutrition? We need to fight inflammation, central nervous system fatigue, so on and so forth, so you can come back into your in-season and perform well, right? So whether we're talking about an NFL player with an off-season or we're talking about a CrossFitter who, this is the problem with CrossFit, is a lot of times CrossFitters on the local level don't have an off-season. They just go, 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 Um, but you can only do that for so long. Professional CrossFitters, often take off-seasons. They often take nutritional periodization into play, and they shift their macros around. They shift their nutrition focus around in the off-season to combat all these things that happen to their body during the in season Because we know that competitive fitness in any realm of athletics is not the healthiest thing on our body, right? Period. And then we're even going to talk about health, how you can do this to improve some health markers. But the point of this is simple. Nutritional periodization from a If we define this word, nutritional periodization is the practice or the act of setting up your nutrition on a macro level. And what that means is looking at your year, right? When is your goal? What are you doing before the goal? What are you doing after the goal? So prior to stepping foot into your goal, whether we are going to target building muscle, becoming a successful athlete, fat loss or health, and I'll even take this into training a little bit just for better context, we must understand that we have to get our body in a healthy place before we can even embark down that journey, right? So let's take fat loss for an example first. I'm going to go in this order each time. Fat loss specifically, if your metabolism is not – I should—I don't need to say high because I don't believe you need to have an extremely high metabolism in order to jumpstart a fat loss. But if your metabolism isn't healthy – if your metabolism isn't at a good baseline, if you're already in a chronic deficit, you can't step foot into a fat loss plan because, number one, your body's just going to fight it and it's just not going to shift. Number two, you would have to bring calories so low that it's unsustainable. And your bro- body would probably, like I said, fight back and hormonally not allow any of that to happen anyway. But the point is, is before I start a fat loss journey, I need to have a proper baseline. So a lot of times when clients come to me, we practice a pre-diet journey first before stepping into the diet journey, the fat loss journey, right? Let's get healthy. Let's shift your habits. Let's eat real food. Let's bring your calories up a little bit and create a solid baseline of protein and calories. Let's make sure you're consuming enough to where your metabolism is healthy and is working. Let's make sure you're recovering and you're not fatigued all the time. Is your immune system crashing and you're getting sick all the time, right? Dieting is such a big stress. It's going to harm almost every system in your body so we need to make sure that every system in your body is healthy and ready to step foot into fat loss before we start now some clients come to me they're already ready but a lot of them are not so we'll spend the first two to four weeks at least prepping their body for fat loss let's get you healthy let's get you with the right habits let's get you sleeping let's get you recovering let's get you set up on a solid solid baseline right same thing with with training though if you come to me and you're doing a ton of cardio and barely any strength training at all, we're in a bad place to step foot in fat loss because we know we have to shift into a higher strength training base, right? More lifting, less cardio, because that's going to be more sustainable. But if we do that at the same time as a deficit, you are going to be fatigued and you are not going to be performing well. Therefore, your recovery is going to be shit and that's going to harm your fat loss journey. So for those people... We have to create that caloric and metabolic baseline, and then we have to create a strength foundation while removing the cardio. But we can only do that if we're intaking enough food to proper, properly facilitate recovery. Otherwise, you're going to be stressing from so many realms. We just now add a ton of strength training, and we just now add a huge deficit into your, into your nutrition. Not a good idea. So we have to do the diet before the diet. We have to set the stage for performance. Muscle, building muscle you cannot step into a muscle-gaining phase where you're going to go into a caloric surplus if you do not have healthy digestion, healthy joints so you can lift heavy, low inflammation, a functioning nervous system, lower stress levels because you're about to increase training volume, increase digestive stress by going into a surplus, and your body is already too taxed. So the same exact thing. I would say in a less extreme manner but we still have to set the stage. So people who are trying to build muscle, we, again, have to set a baseline for your metabolism because we can't just jump calories up through the roof to, quote-unquote, gain weight. And then you get fat in the process because your metabolism too slow to handle it. We can't crank volume up and intensity up in the gym if, number one, your nervous system is stressed out from other external factors like family or work or whatever. And your joints won't be able to handle it. So if there's inflammation in your body, if you're not acquiring the right nutrition to combat that inflammation, lower inflammation, allow your tendons and ligaments to heal faster because you're going to train more. Volume is the key driver to hypertrophy. You can't just add tons and tons of bricks without a good foundation. right? So we need to set the stage for muscle. Digestion is one of the biggest ones for me personally that I've noticed with people. If your gut health is out of whack. Your nervous system, your hormones, your recovery, your joint inflammation, everything's going to be really bad. So if somebody's coming to me to build muscle but they don't have a healthy baseline for proper gut health, that's the first thing we're attacking before we start building any muscle or focusing on gains, right? So that's huge. If you're an athlete, pretty similar to muscle. If your body's not digesting and absorbing nutrients properly, number one, you're not going to build any muscle. Number two, you're not going to be able to take the food you are consuming, break it down, and utilize it as fuel in your body. So if your digestion and absorption and gut health in general are out of whack, a lot of things are going to be out of whack. It's all really connected to your nervous system as well. As an athlete, the nervous system is probably one of the most important factors in recovering and performing. Any explosive endeavor... Any brute strength or force that we produce as a human through our muscular system starts with our nervous system. I always use the 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 like the phrase or the analogy of the amp and speakers. Right, if you have a a car with a ton of speakers and subs, those are your muscles. But if you don't have your amp ready to go, the speakers aren't going to make any sound. Right. Well, those muscles are not going to work to their potential. If your amp, your central nervous system isn't working, we all know. Like, I used to have subs in my car, and I remember when my amp would blow out, all the speakers that I had added in, the subs that I had added in, would just die. And all I could hear were the shitty, back then I had a Ford Explorer, the shitty Ford Explorer little tweeters in the front dash going, and it sounded horrible. Couldn't handle the music, it was staticky. That's what happens to your muscles. You have a horrible performance unless your amp is charged, your central nervous system. Now, all of a sudden, everything can function. You can run on all cylinders. So it's very, very important. Well, a couple things here. Fats in your diet are very important for central nervous health, s- central nervous system health. Specific micronutrients are very important for your CNS, right? And calories in general are very important for your CNS. So if we're not prioritizing nutrition and not setting the stage up for in-season, meaning before we even embark down this athletic endeavor... If we're not setting the stage to make sure your body is utilizing fuel, lowering inflammation, recovering faster, and charging your central nervous system overnight, which means balancing sympathetic and parasympathetic, but also acquiring the right nutrition, we're fucked. You're gonna go into in-season performing very poorly. Preseason's gonna be horrible, you're not gonna be ready. We need to prioritize these things. And the same thing with training, right? If you go into, and this applies for muscle, if you go into a sport, if you're gonna jump into CrossFit and you wanna be a competitive CrossFitter and you wanna go as far as you possibly can, whether that's on the professional level or the local level, yet your mobility is shit, you have injuries that are still pulling you back and creating imbalances in your body, you have bad range of motion, (laughs) you can't even perform a full depth squat, how do you expect to be able to do a snatch and overhead squat in competition with your PR or for high reps? When you're under that adrenaline and you brute force through that pain, you're actually going to create tears and sprains and injuries and breaks. And then you're going to get adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction because you push so hard through that. And then after the competition is done, all of a sudden, all these injuries arise. We see it all the time in that space, right? And that's why. So before jumping into that from a training aspect, you need to be able to recover and perform. Yeah, you need to be inquiring the right nutrition. Yeah, but from a training perspective, you need to have a solid base of aerobic capacity and movement capacity just to be able to handle what you're about to do, right? Same exact thing. You set the stage for future success. And health, the last one. We don't really need to set the stage for this (laughs) because we're just chasing health. So all the things I talked about, right, setting the stage for digestion and for joint health, all those things, that is the goal of health. So we are going to talk about how nutritional periodization comes into play, but there's really no diet before the diet when it comes to health. It's mainly just jumping into it and going straight forward and and periodizing it along the way. And I'll explain that in a bit. So nutritional periodization from a fat loss perspective. We've already covered. We're going to go back to the top of the list. We've already covered the diet before the diet. So what comes next? Well, the diet itself. What do we do inside of the diet? When it comes to fat loss, there's two main ways that I like to look at this. There is a macro scale. Both of these I'm going to talk about in the macro. But macro scale from a a perspective of we are dieting for 16-plus weeks, right? So you come to me. You don't have a timeline. You're not getting married. You don't have a photo shoot. You don't have anything specific that you are getting cut for. You just know you want to lose weight. So we might be doing this for four months, six months, eight months, could be a year. We're not really planning to stop. We are going to diet continuously until we reach your goal. And I do think this is smart. See, the problem with bodybuilding when we're getting cut is that they do like cuts and bulks. I do not think that's a smart way to go. What happens is we cut very aggressively without taking any precautions along the way in order to properly manage or maintain our hormonal and nervous system health and therefore it's extremely hard to maintain the weight loss once we get there, right? That's why we see a lot of people binge after bikini, figure, physique, and bodybuilding competitions and they end up blowing up afterwards. I did it because afterwards there's no strategy. You just finally get to eat and you've been cutting so aggressively for 12, 16 weeks just nonstop and you don't have a plan afterwards. So you binge your ass off, you end up gaining weight. And then you get to a point where you're like, fuck, okay, now I want to get back on board. I have to cut again. Whereas I like to periodize things to say we are going to diet and then maintain, diet and then maintain, diet and then maintain along the way. So instead of saying you have a show in 12 weeks, you have a show in 24 weeks. Yes, it's taken us twice as long to get there, but there is a lot of breaks along the way to facilitate proper maintenance of your hormones. Because when we get to that end route and when those binges happen, it's because you have down-regulated your metabolism and your hormonal system so much that you can't control yourself. Your brain just says, eat. So when we go into this on a macro scale for dieting for 16 plus weeks, the way we're gonna attack this is we're going to diet for three to four weeks straight. What this means is we're going to attack phallos aggressively for three to four weeks. We are going to create a deficit for three to four weeks. After we get to that third or fourth week of pushing fat loss, and we are in a deficit, a good deficit, we are going to plug in a maintenance week, a diet break for one to two weeks. This is a a, a one to two week period where we bring calories back up to maintenance usually just via carbs. So we don't want to add a ton of fats. We don't need to add protein. Protein doesn't change at all during this process. But we are going to bring our carbs up to bring us back to maintenance. And what this is going to allow is our calories to be high enough to replenish our hormones, essentially. Make sure our thyroid is getting healthy. Make sure our muscles are filling with glycogen. Make sure that our performance is going to be sufficient going forward. Make sure that we're recovering. It gives us some mental sanity and a little bit of a mental break. allows us some freedom right? And make sure leptin and ghrelin, our metabolic hormones, are actively healthy so we can continue fat loss. Because this is almost a way to avoid plateaus, right? And it's more importantly a way to avoid regain afterwards. The problem here, this works really well by the way, the problem here is, is it takes longer. Because for three to four weeks, let's say we lose four to eight pounds, one to two pounds a week. Then we take a one to two week diet break, we gain two to three pounds, right? So our net loss is still down. We're still down, what, three to six pounds, which is great. And the the weight we added during our maintenance is probably not body fat because it was, quote, unquote, our maintenance, right? We're not in a surplus. This is where people get scared. This is where people get worried because we've added so many carbs, and every one gram of carb holds three to four grams of water. Therefore, we are going to be holding and retaining water and sodium. This is going to cause the scale to go up. But it's not something to be scared about because we are not in a surplus. Remember this. You are at maintenance. You dieted for three to four weeks. That is not long enough for your body to shut down and hormonally downregulate. You need at least eight to 12 weeks of dieting. At least. Right? But more like 16 plus weeks of dieting, which a lot of people do. Which And sometimes they don't realize it. They go into a 500-calorie deficit, and they get used to that deficit. They forget, and they stay there long enough that that's their new maintenance. But three to four weeks isn't enough to harm your system in that way. So one to two weeks of coming out of that isn't going to gain fat. It's not going to reset your maintenance. So you can still come up to that original maintenance via carbohydrates, and that's going to support everything we need to kind of facilitate a refeed, right? Like we know about cheat days and refeeds and kind of resetting our body. 24 hours isn't long enough to do it. Studies have proven this. So a one-day refeed, the only purpose behind a one-day refeed per week, which I use quite a bit so I'm not against it. I use them with a lot of clients, is to really just replenish glycogen stores and give some mental sanity, give you a mental break from dieting give you some extra calories. It's not going to reset leptin or ghrelin or the metabolic hormones. 48 hours is the minimum amount of time of overfeeding to reset these hormones, which is also why I have a lot of clients who do a 5-2 protocol. Five days in a deficit, two days of refeeding. It's going to reset that, and we're going to cover that in a a minute because there's three or four ways to do this nutritional periodization strategy inside of fat loss. This is the macro level I'm talking about. I'm going to get to the micro level in a second. So, we diet for three to four weeks. We see some results. We pull back for one to two weeks. This is very intuitive. One week is the minimum. Um, if we are going four weeks or five weeks or sometimes even six weeks in a hard deficit, then I'm going to go two weeks of maintenance. It's just guaranteed because the longer we diet, the longer we need to recover from it. The the harder we diet, the longer we need to recover from it. Right? And it also depends on the person. Sometimes people after four or five days of maintenance, they are feeling bloated. They are ready to get back to a deficit. They just want to. They don't have as long of time to work with me um, or maybe their biofeedback is great. Their stress or sleep, everything improved so quickly that I don't need to stay there for another week. So it's very intuitive and it's kind of like what the art of coaching and experience will allow you to build over time is, is how I structure this timeline. But point number one, and we're going to cover the in part of the diet and then we'll go to the post part of the diet. During the diet, you go for three to four weeks, and then you maintain for one to two weeks. We can do this for as long as possible until we get to our result. By the time we get to our result, we're going to shorten those windows, right? That's the post. So the post would be, instead of three to four weeks dieting, one to two weeks maintaining, we go to three weeks dieting, two weeks maintaining. Three weeks dieting, three weeks maintaining. Two weeks diet dieting, three weeks maintaining. One week dieting, three weeks maintaining. Until we're only maintaining. And at that point, if you need to, you can add in one to two days of deficit, which would be like, let's say you do one to two intermittent fasting days per week, um, if you absolutely need to. So we can kind of inch this down. But the point is, is we do a reverse diet at the end of it. Very, very simple. I'm not gonna go over reverse dieting too heavily today because that's an entire podcast in itself, which I can do. So if you're listening to this and you wanna hear it, let me know. (laughs) But we're gonna slowly inch back away, right? So the next part of this, It's a little bit more of an aggressive. This is still on a macro level, but we have less time to work with. So this might be somebody that has three to four months to work with me, and then I just need to set up on a game plan for afterwards, right? So this would be somebody that comes to me, and we commit for three months. We're saying we're going to get after it for three to four months, 12 to 16 weeks, This is where we create a more direct or aggressive approach. This is also for somebody who has a timeline. So if somebody comes to me, and I actually use this more frequently than the first strategy. The reason I use this more than the first strategy is, number one, a lot of my clients come to me needing to reverse diet. They're in a place where they're not ready to diet, and we have to rehab them from a metabolic and hormonal standpoint through nutrition in order to get them ready to actually achieve fat loss. They're just not ready for it. Number two, they're impatient. Sometimes I don't get that amount of time. For me to say, hey, we're going to diet for three to four weeks, maintain for one to two weeks, guaranteed we need at least four to six months, at least, more like a year, in order to work together. This is a perfect scenario. So when somebody hires me for a year, we can attack it this way because I can set them up for a long period of dieting. And we can take those maintenance. This is perfect. This is ideal. I would much rather clients hire for a year because it gives us enough time to do it the right way and to make sure that 10 years after they see me, they're still going to be lean, healthy, and understanding nutritional protocols. The second way is more common because a lot of people can't afford or they do not have the commitment level in order to hire a coach for a year. So they Or they have a timeline. I have a wedding coming up. I have to get ready for so-and-so. I'm doing a photo shoot, whatever it may be. We're going to diet for 12 to 16 weeks straight. During this time, there are no diet breaks. We are going straight line to the punch, right? 12 to 16 weeks, this is usually when we have one refeed day a week, right? So six days a week, we are in a pretty good deficit. We are making sure that we are seeing fat loss every single week. This is like our typical transformation program, right? We hit it hard for 12 to 16 weeks. One refeed day per week. The reason we do a refeed day every week is number one, it's going to allow them to give some freedom, give some flexibility, have some mental sanity, replenish glycogen source so your training sessions for the first half of the next week are better, you're recovering better, you just have more carbs in your system, and adding to that, you are more likely to make it through the entire 12 to 16 week diet if we give you a refeed every week just because like I said, it gives you some flexibility, it gives you some sustainability, it just makes you feel a little bit better in the process. You're more likely to hit that goal at the end of it. Then we set them up on a maintenance phase, right? So I've done this plenty of times where I take people through a three to four month diet. We get crazy results. We give them one refeed a week. Sometimes if there's some social event, I'll bump it to two days a week. Again, that depends on their biofeedback. It depends on their social activities. If they have an event coming up, if I know it's gonna be hard for them to just keep it to one refeed because of something coming up, I might just be more flexible with them because it's more important for them to not feel like they cheated and binge. Again, art of coaching. Comes into play with this. But after we reach their goal, we begin the reverse diet towards a maintenance with either my guidance or some specific instructions. And then they spend eight to 12 weeks maintaining. So 12 to 16 weeks, eight to 12 weeks maintaining. You need almost just as much, some people need just as much maintaining as you do dieting. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. They spend the majority of their year dieting in a deficit. And they do not spend the majority of their year eating at maintenance because maintenance isn't sexy. We should be gaining or we should be losing, right? The problem is, is maintenance is where we are healthiest. That's where our body is most comfortable. That's where our body can re-regulate, resynthesize, and prepare you for the next fat loss phase. So it's important to maintain. And again, this is going to be about just under, if not at, the same amount of time that you dieted. So if I helped you for three to four months, we are probably – going to maintain for two to three months. And then you go back at it. So let's say for 12 to 16 weeks, you lose 20 pounds. You have a great transformation, but your overall goal was 40 pounds. You do not go past that 16 week mark. You do not keep going because I promise you weeks 16 to 24, where you go from 20 to 40, if that was your goal, are going to be harder, are going to be longer. You're going to lose less weight per week, or you're going to have to drop more calories. It's more important to gain a couple pounds through water retention, going to maintenance for 8 to 12 weeks. Spend a couple months just maintaining. Spend a couple months resensitizing your body. Spend a couple months re-regulating your hormones and your nervous system. Focus on strength. Build a new foundation on top of this one of the most important things about having a full maintenance phase and this is one of the biggest reasons to implement nutritional periodization is this is the time where you can possibly reset both your body fat levels and your metabolic rate see a lot of people go into a diet if we go into a diet for 12 to 16 weeks two things are happening number one our metabolism is slowing down we can't avoid it therefore going into a maintenance phase at a higher rate or higher caloric intake, and staying there for 8 to 12 weeks gives us the possible benefit and the possible chance of us resetting that metabolic rate. And this does not happen quickly. We need to spend at least a month there, ideally two months. But like I said, even up to three, where we can reset that that metabolic rate, reset that maintenance caloric intake. So when we go back into a diet, we are starting a diet from a higher caloric intake. This is setting up you for a better foundation to start a diet on. If you come to me on a diet taking in 1,500 calories, we barely have anything to pull from. But if you spent 8 to 12 weeks maintaining and you come to me at 2,500 calories, now we have way more room to play play with and we can see way better results without cutting so many calories and without going so low in calories. This is very, very important, right? Now we can move into the micro side of things. When we look at fat loss periodization from a micro level, There's really just like two ways I like to approach periodization, right? I've already kind of gone over the main things. Three to four weeks going hard with no refeeds, then one to two weeks maintaining. 12 to 16 weeks going hard with one refeed a week, eight to 12 weeks maintaining afterwards. This is probably my favorite approach. Um, And the reason it's my favorite approach is because that 12 to 16-week period, I think because you're seeing – more weight loss, more fat loss for a longer period of time. It's just more motivating. The three to four weeks with the one to two weeks maintaining is more difficult. It's probably the perfect world, most ideal situation from a health and hormonal perspective, but it's difficult. That's why not as many people do it. That's why I don't put as many people through it. It's harder because you have to deal with maintaining more often. Um, But now we're going to get into the micro scale. So somebody comes to me, we have three months, I'll say, and that's because I require a minimum of three months to work with me. But before that, It was even just a month-to-month basis when I worked with people. I didn't know how long they were going to be with me. Are they going to be with me for two months, three months, six months, a year? Who knows? For these people, we're going to take this very similar to the last approach, 12 to 16 weeks of dieting, let's say. Realistically, it's just I'm going forward with dieting. There's no timeline. There's no three to four-week minimum or maximum cap. I'm just going for it. But I need to make sure this person does not get hormonally downregulated because they've had issues with that in the past. They used to follow payload and under 8 while doing CrossFit. I see this all the time. They come to me. I'm like, shit, I have to be very careful with them. Or I did reverse diet them, and now we're ready to cut. I have to be extremely cautious because in my experience, and there's no literature to show this, but I'm sure people listening who have reverse dieted can contest with me on this. You probably relate. When somebody goes through a reverse diet, their body is even more resilient to fat loss because they've been there, they've done that, their body hated it. It remembers shit. Your body is not stupid. The body is extremely intelligent, and it remembers your last fat loss phase. It remembers how poorly it felt. It remembered that feeling, and it does not want to go into that feeling again. Even though you did it the wrong way, and we're doing it the smart way this time, it's going to be resilient to fat loss. And you probably set up a shitty low threshold. Right? So I see this all the time, and it's hard to explain to people. But if last time you dieted, you got down to 1,500 calories, 1,300 calories, whatever it may be, a really low amount, and that's when you saw fat loss, but we've reverse dieted you up to 2,600 calories. You're eating a ton of food, but you're ready to lose weight. You haven't, you've gained a couple pounds. You haven't lost any weight. You're ready to go. We cut 300 calories, nothing happens. We cut 300 more, nothing happens. And nothing happens until we hit 1,500 calories again, and then you finally lose weight. It's because you've created a threshold. I have a threshold for myself, and it's from years of doing it wrong. Back in the past, I've died it many times. Photo shoots, bodybuilding show. It took me a long time to understand this stuff. I mean, I've been doing this for eight-plus years. Part of that meant I set up a low threshold. So for me to lose weight, like I can bring my my carbs up to 400, calories up to 3,000, and I'm not gaining a ton of weight, maybe a few pounds. feel great. But i got to bring it below 2,000 just to see some fat loss. Right? So... For some people, that determines what I'm going to do. So maybe I'm going to use one of these micro scale things like I'm going to talk about. The first one is the 5-2 split like I mentioned five days in a deficit, two days refeed. This is going to ensure that we can continue fat loss week after week after week after week and not really worried about any downside because those two days in a row, 48 hours straight of higher carb intake is going to bring calories up to maintenance and it's going to allow us to increase leptin, ghrelin, our metabolic hormones, our thyroid, our nervous system, replenish glycogen. It's going to kind of accomplish the same thing as those one to two weeks of maintaining did, except now it is in a smaller scale. We only do it for two days, five days deficiting Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we refeed or In a perfect world, it's probably like Thursday, Friday, so you don't spend it drinking and eating shitty food out, but lifestyle is a factor, and we got to adjust those things for the client. 5-2 protocol works really, really well. The next one is the Matador study. One to two weeks on, one to two weeks off. So typically with this, I'll go one week or two weeks of hard dieting. We create a big deficit, very similar to strategy one, three to four weeks on, one to two weeks on, and this is very close to as similar and as beneficial. One to two weeks of hard dieting, one to two weeks of maintenance. The worse your metabolic history is, your dieting history is, the shorter that dieting window should be and the longer that recovery window should be. The more primed your body is for dieting, if you're in a very healthy state when you started, the longer that deficit could be. So you could go two weeks on and you can go one week of recovery because your body isn't as in, in a hole. It's in a better position to do this, right? So that's just the Matador study, alternating weeks. I'll link a, sh- uh, a, sh- a video in the show notes. Um, I did a video on this. It's called Unorthodox Ways to Cut Calories. And I talked about both of these strategies. But those are two ways I use with a lot of clients, and they work very well while maintaining our biofeedback, our hormonal regulation and balance, and our central nervous system. Right. so let's review fat loss before we move on. Dieting, we can go three to four weeks on, one to two weeks off it's probably the most ideal, but the most difficult in the least common. Dieting hard for 12 to 16 weeks with one refeed per week. Maintaining for eight to 12 weeks afterwards to make sure that we reset. This is probably my favorite, my most commonly used. And then we have the micro scale, the short-term scales of doing when we don't really have a definitive end line um, or, or timeline or date for when this cut is done. And that's going to be Five days in a deficit, two days refeeding, or one to two weeks in a deficit, one to two days, or sorry, one to two weeks refeeding at maintenance for recovery. The post diet period for fat loss is very simple. We need to reverse. Your goal after a diet is to get your calories up to maintenance for good. Now, what we need to understand is if we lose 50 pounds, our maintenance is going to drop, period. Right? You were at a bigger body mass, so it's illogical to assume that we can reverse diet our calories up to our old maintenance and not gain weight. We are going to gain weight. You will have a new maintenance, and that's okay. You're at a smaller body size. Your body takes less calories to function and survive, so we need to be okay with that, but the point here is simple. After a diet, and this is very individualized, so I'm not going to go into this. You need to reverse diet up to a proper maintenance, and this could take four weeks, could take eight weeks, could take six months. It depends who you are, where you're at, what you've done in the past, and how long you dieted for. But you need to slowly bring calories up to maintenance, get them to a new maintenance, and then stay there and maintain for good until you're ready to embark down a new journey, whether that's athletic performance, uh, you're doing an event, you're doing another cut, you're doing muscle gain um, phase, whatever it may be. But you need to build your calories back up to maintenance so you can reset, resynthesize. And kind of move forward. And that's kind of the diet after the diet. And the part of that that a lot of people don't think of, and this is part of nutritional periodization, is because maintenance is not sexy. Maintenance is not fun. Maintenance comes after the goal is already met. You need to focus on maintaining that goal. It is one of the biggest keys of nutritional periodization. And if you're going to set up nutritional periodization or you're going to hire somebody like me who actually gives a shit about where you're at after the goal is met, this is what we do. After we reach your goal, we set you up on a specific plan in order to make sure that you recover and maintain the results you finally achieved. And this happens from reverse dieting slowly up to a maintenance level calories that you can sustain while keeping your body weight, body fat levels, muscle level, whatever it may be, your health, where it finally got to after you achieved success with that goal. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I wanted to just remind you that One of the biggest things about the Boom Boom Performance movement is free content. We are literally here trying to change the world. And part of doing that is trying to give away as much free shit as possible. Literally. We want to educate the world on how to live a better life from our physical body to our mental sanity. We want to work with everybody possible and help them get educated on what it means to have proper nutrition, smart training, and live a healthier lifestyle to improve every aspect of their life. And part of that is giving away as much free content as possible, as well as offering some really cool stuff to you guys, the listeners, the followers, the subscribers, whoever is listening to the show right now. So, I want to remind you that we have tons of ebooks. We have the membership site. We offer coaching. We give away free seminars. We do so much stuff and all of it can be found at boomboomperformance.com/content or you can click the first link you see in the description of this podcast on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to it. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the podcast. And I have to say this now Anybody who has been listening to this podcast for a long time knows that this podcast is not about promotion for me. This podcast is about delivering more value, paying it forward, giving free information, and just helping people. But I have to say this stuff is complicated. I'm trying to break it down in a podcast the best I can, and I feel like I'm doing a good job, but my point with this is simple. If you struggle with long-term fat loss, if you've failed in the past, if you have not seen success because of any of the stuff that I'm talking about, because you've neglected or ignored any of these strategies inside this nutritional periodization model, then I highly suggest you hire somebody. Whether it's me, my team, or somebody else, I think you should hire somebody to help you, right? And, And here's the big thing. All I can guarantee is that we use nutritional periodization with all of our clients in some way, shape, or form because it's a priority to us to make sure that you understand why you're seeing results and that you are educated so that you can maintain those results after you are done. I'm focused on the year after we finish more so than anything else. So if you do struggle with this, I'll drop a link for an application for our team in the show notes. Please apply. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to get on the phone. Have a conversation to see if coaching is a good fit for you and see if we can help you with this. Because I can almost guarantee you that if you're listening to this and you've struggled in the past, this is why. This is probably why you're not seeing the results. This is probably why you never maintain the results. All right, now let me, let me keep moving forward. The next three are going to be pretty simple and I'm going to be able to cover really easily. When it comes to fat loss, it's very complicated. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I don't want to say it's easier because here's the deal, like the next one I'm going into is building muscle. Building muscle is by far harder than cutting fat. Cutting fat is a, a very easy equation of calories in versus calories out, right? We need to set up strategies to in, in order to facilitate better hormonal regulation, better hormonal balance, better central nervous system, better health along the way of our fat loss journey. But the reality is, is we create a deficit and we move forward. We are going to see results, right? Building muscle is different. If your genetics are poor, that's a limiting factor. If you can't make it to the gym often enough, that's a limiting factor. If you don't have a strong strength base so your volume is higher because you can actually lift heavier weights, we have an issue. right? So there's a lot of things that can hold you back that some are out of your control. Genetics you can't control. right? If you have a very high-stress lifestyle and your testosterone is shit, that's somewhat out of your control. You need to make it in your control, but you can't help the fact that you have a shitty job and you're stressed out about it and you lack sleep. So going into muscle, it's simpler, but it's not easier. It's more simple. Is it simpler or I think it's more simple? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if you care that much. I probably butcher the shit out of a lot of words on this podcast. So <laughs> I hope you're here for the information and not the vocabulary. Muscle, we want to go into a surplus for anywhere between six, uh, 12 to 24 weeks. Um, it's a long period of time. And, and the way you're going to gauge this is basically – Um, I don't like somatotypes, but if you're an endomorph, for example, you're going to be on the shorter end of that spectrum. If you're a ectomorph and you're skinnier, naturally lean and tall and thin, you're probably going to go towards the 24 weeks. If you're a mesomorph, you're probably going to be in that 16 to 20 week period. The reason there is no three to four weeks or anything like that is because muscle takes time to build. It is a very, very slow process. So when someone hires me to build muscle, the first conversation I have with them is, are you patient? Because you need patience for this. It takes time. You have to be comfortable maintaining your leanness, not being shredded all the time, not being super lean all the time, because gaining takes time. And this is one of the main reasons why I implement a lot of metrics into training. When somebody's trying to gain, we are tracking a lot of things inside training let's look at performance let's look at aerobic capacity let's do some tests let's do some uh... some three rep max i don't like doing one rep maxes with many people because i think the injury risk is too high but let's do some three and five rep max let's actually do some eight or twenty rep maxes so we can test your strength endurance like these things are very important not only to directly build muscle and show that we're making progress because if you're improving these markers you're definitely building muscle in the process but It just takes time, and to be patient, you need to focus on more things than stepping on the scale and hoping that you gained 0.5 pounds this month because that's a normal rate of weight gain, right? I would say 0.25 per week is probably ideal for most people in order to stay super lean and gain muscle. 0.5, is possible for mesomorphs and people who are somewhat new to either training in general or smart training. Like, let's say you did boot camps three days a week for the last three years, but then you come to me and we implement a five day a week hypertrophy split. I would still consider you a newbie because this stimulus is so different than anything you've done in the past. But the point with that is simple it's going to take time. You need to focus on other things. So, you're going to spend about 12 to 24 weeks cutting, or I mean, sorry, gaining in a surplus. That surplus. I'm not really going to go over numbers today because that part is extremely individual. Um, Different people need to be in a different amount of uh, calories above maintenance. So, I mean, for some people, it's as simple as adding 150, 200 calories, and we'll start seeing slow gains. And again, it's like let's – and this is the hard part for people. Let's add 100 to 150 calories, 200 calories via carbs, time that around your workouts, and let's track your performance – over the next one to two weeks, are things improving? Do you feel like you're feeling better, recovering better, lifting heavier? Yes, cool. Let's track your weight gain in the next three to four weeks. If we're seeing progress, we can stay there. And as that progress slows down, then we can add more calories. But we got to maintain our leanness because if you add a ton of fat, the cut is going to be longer, harder, and more likely to diminish or rip apart some muscle. You're going to lose muscle mass in the process of a deep cut if you go too hard in the surplus and have to go too hard in the cut to reverse that effect. That's why cutting and bulking is dead. Lean gaining is much more important, uh, much more beneficial. And from a health perspective, we don't want to add fat to our body. The more fat we add to our body in a cyclical fashion, the harder it is to remove and the more health negatives we experience, right? We don't want to suffer through some of the health consequences. So 12 to 24 weeks in a surplus, gaining, and then you're going to take four to eight weeks in a cut. Very simple. It's a mini cut. 12 weeks max, but we want to spend time in a mini cut. This is where we drop calories by 25 to 35%, quite a big number, um, and we're going to spend as little time there as possible. Some people can get away with two to three weeks. If you're one of those guys that just has a super fast metabolism, you can spend three to four weeks, or sorry, two to three weeks in a cut, remove... (laughs) four, five, six pounds, and be back to your gaining phase, right? So we're basically doing a cut in bulk, but it's on a very micro level. We're gaining slower, and we're losing a little bit faster for a shorter period of time. Eight weeks is as high as I like to go on this, because I don't want to spend time in a deficit and slow your metabolism down, or just keep you in deficit and spend time not building muscle, because our goal is building muscle. And we're going to have a little bit of fat on our body in that process. But if we're doing this nutritional periodization from a gaining perspective, we're probably going to spend time in a surplus for 12 to 24 weeks, depending on your somatotype. And then we're going to cut for four to eight weeks ideally, right? And we're going to spend time in a pretty big deficit, cut as much fat as we can in as little time as possible um, to where we look just as lean as we did prior uh, to starting the cut or starting the muscle building phase. But now we're up and our net weight should be higher than it was when we started. So if we started our surplus – day one, and we are 170 pounds, and we finish our surplus 20 weeks later, and we are 176, 178 pounds. We've gained eight pounds. We're going to go into a cut and strip two to three pounds off. Now we're down a little bit, two, four pounds maybe, but we're still up, what, three, four, five, six pounds total from when we started the surplus in the first place, and that means our net total weight gain is up, and that means we are building muscle. That's the priority here. So after shit, six months, eight months, we are up four, five, six pounds of muscle. And that's a good goal because we're just as lean as we were before. Therefore, we don't have to worry about ever losing that muscle again. All right. Like I said, muscle is quick and easy. And and again, just like the reverse diet, you're going to get to a maintenance after that. You want to be able to maintain that new muscle mass um, without gaining weight for a while. So from this perspective, the post diet would be coming back down a little bit to maintenance to maintain your muscle, not lose any weight, but also not gain any weight. Once you reset that body level, body weight level, body set point, then you can jump into a longer period cut if you want to get shredded for stage or photo shoot or whatever it may be. Athletes. This one is a little more specific, but still pretty easy. I like to take this as a linear approach. I don't like doing refeeds. I I don't like doing carb cycling. I don't like doing any of that stuff with athletes or anybody who is mainly prioritizing performance simply because your body does not convert carbs to glucose to glycogen immediately. Meaning, you should still be taking in some carbs pre, intra, and post-workout if you are a serious athlete, especially in a glycolytic sport like CrossFit, for example. But the reality is, is... What you consume one to two hours prior to training is not your main fuel source for that workout. What you ate the night before absolutely is. So for that reason, I'd rather keep your calories the same linearly so seven days a week, you're intaking the same intake and we can slowly increase that because that's gonna set you up for recovery and performance every single day, right? And if today's a rest day and you drop carbs down, but tomorrow's one of your hardest workout days, You're setting yourself up for less fuel and a more poor performance tomorrow. Not a very smart idea. So for athletes, what I like to do, we are going to prime them as we go into in-season. So preseason starts, and we're slowly – everything we do with an athlete is going to be slow. We don't want to make too drastic of – macro flips, we can. The reality is if your calories are the same, they're the same. I just find from an adherence standpoint and a digestion standpoint and maybe an absorption standpoint, I find that going a little bit slower through the transition is a little bit smarter. If we have you on a high-fat, moderate-carb, I don't think any athlete should ever be low-carb um, unless it's for a very short period of time. Um, if we have you on a moderate-carb, high-fat protocol and we immediately flip it to a high fat, lower, or sorry, high-carb, lower-fat protocol overnight, I don't think it's. I I think that number one, your adherence is going to be hard. You're going to have to completely shift your meals. You're going to have to start relearn how to track food, prep food, switch your ingredients. Like, it's just more difficult, and that creates stress and lack of adherence. I'd rather slowly shift. So we slowly make that transition going into preseason of slowly bringing down fats to a moderate level, bringing up carbs to a pretty high level. So now we have a high protein diet. I think athletes are always going to stay in a high protein. And by high protein, I mean your body weight in grams. So for most people, it's just moderate, right? Not ultra high, but enough to facilitate proper recovery. But because carbohydrates are so high, you don't need extra. Like during a fat loss phase, we might've brought protein up to 1.2 grams per pound because we're in a deficit. Athletes are never going to be in a deficit if they're smart. So we have protein set at normal. Carbs are going to drive up. So as you can see, periodization is a little bit different. I'm not just talking about calories. Um, and creating a deficit versus not deficit. They're going to be at maintenance the whole time. Um, I don't think you should be at a surplus because surplus implies that you're going to gain weight. And for most sports, you don't want to be heavier than your normal weight. right? You don't want to be heavier than what you're used to performing at. So whether you're a football player trying to sprint, whether you're a track athlete, whether you're a wrestler, UFC CrossFit, you don't want to be heavier to slow you down. So we want to be at maintenance, um, and maintenance can change because as we build this nutritional periodization protocol, your performance might improve, you might, your output might increase, meaning your expenditure might increase. Therefore, you need to bring up your maintenance calories because you're doing more hard work. That's very, very common, um, and that's the goal. Let's feed you more so you can do more, so you can burn more, so we can end up feeding you more, and it's kind of this cycle, right? It's not – there's a threshold. It doesn't go on forever, but that's kind of the point. So preseason. We're slowly transitioning fats lower, carbs higher. I'm not going to give you exact amounts because that's individual. We're never going to be on an ultra-low-fat diet. Going too low fat, especially for an athlete, is going to harm your nervous system, and it's going to harm your hormonal levels. But we're definitely going to be in a lower-fat protocol. Your calories are at maintenance or slightly above, so low is pretty relative. and It's not a risk. And when you're in a deficit, if you're on a low-fat diet, your, your fat's getting low, and that's dangerous. For athletes, because they're at a higher caloric intake, it's never going to be so low that it's dangerous. So, and I say that just to give context, because if I say low, I don't mean crazy low levels. I mean low for a maintenance or a surplus. The reason we're doing this is because we want to fuel the body for better recovery, harder performance. And the best way to do that is to pump carbs into that body. The best way to not slow that process down is to not have too many fats or proteins in the diet because both of those things slow digestion down, specifically fats. So we want to be on a very high-carb diet, right? But again, we want to make that transition. I and mean, you'll, you'll see why I say transition when I talk about postseason. So as we go into preseason, we're slowly bringing carbs up, slowly bringing fats down. Our calories don't really change. If this causes our output to increase, we can bring up calories a little bit higher, which means we can probably add an extra bump up in carbs without dropping fats because as we transition, we're dropping fats, increasing carbs, calories don't really change. We're doing this going into preseason, so we're fueling better recovery, we're fueling better performance, and we're actually doing this as we taper training. So most athletes will taper training because you don't want to enter a competition, be that on the platform or on a bodybuilding stage or on the CrossFit floor, cramping up, like fatiguing out too quick, burning out too quick because you trained so fucking hard leading into that day. So you're naturally bringing training volume down a little bit, training intensity down, deloading, tapering, and we're bringing carbs up a little bit, right? That's pre-season. In-season is something that happens like that, pretty much within a week. Next week, two weeks away, your competition is here. This all depends on the sport. Now, for most people, the only time I would say this changes a little bit is going to be for powerlifters. Powerlifters are staying – everything I'm talking about, to be honest with you, changes for a powerlifter. Powerlifters don't I, – I don't believe they need as many nutritional changes, um, assuming that they're going to make weight just fine, because we want to keep them comfortable in what they're used to because they've been training for so long. And the reality is, is you're doing one to three reps in most of your training. On the platform, you're doing literally one rep. You don't need a ton of carbohydrates. You should have carbohydrates in your body because you will use them, but not nearly as much as somebody like a CrossFit athlete, a bodybuilder on stage, so on and so forth, right? NFL, soccer, anybody who is being explosive and going nonstop basketball, UFC, anything. Those people need carbs more than a power lifter, right? Power lifters, we don't want to diminish fat too much because fats actually make up in the axon of our nervous system, they actually make up a lot of it. I wanna say the axon that goes up into our brain and helps control through our spinal cord, helps control the nervous system. Um, and I'm not a, a, a scientist on this, but I wanna say it's like 80% is literally lipids, which means if we deplete fat from our body, our nervous system's fucked. So that's not good for a powerlifter, especially because their training is 90% neurological. Anyway, somebody like a crossfitter. We're going into competition, we have one to two weeks away. This is where we're going to actually drop fats even more down, and we're going to increase carbs quite a bit, maybe even into a slight surplus, especially because during a weekend of something like CrossFit, you're burning so many calories. During a a full match of MMA fighting, you're burning so many calories, so many carbs. So for a a CrossFit athlete, I'm going to use them as an example again because we have more experience in that. As you go into that, we are going to bring carbs up even more. These carbs going up – Bringing fats down is going to facilitate faster digestion, faster absorption in the bloodstream, and faster conversion from carbohydrate to stored glycogen, allowing us to perform way harder, recover faster between competitions because usually there's two to four workouts in a day for a CrossFit competition, and then you've got multiple days of it. We need to be pumping the body with carbohydrates. So this one to two-week period into it, we're driving carbs up super high, bringing fats down to not affect that digestion rate fats being lower for one to two weeks is not going to be long enough to hurt anything, and that preseason buildup was still kind of somewhat in-season nutrition as well, because we slowly are bringing up carbs week after week after week after week, right, usually maintaining a higher carb intake for weeks on end before the actual competition, so that pre-season period I talked about is usually pretty long, pre-season is like three to four weeks of transitioning macros maybe, And then weeks and weeks of staying there, depending on how long their preseason is, depends on the athlete. And then in-season is obviously how long you're competing. Are you competing in multiple competitions for the next two months, three months, four months? Are you doing one competition this weekend and then you're done for another four months? It changes person to person. After in-season, because we wanted that high carbohydrate intake to facilitate maximal performance and recovery while we're training hard, while we're competing, And little things go into that too. Um, Like I said in the intro, we are going to be dropping the performance nutrition manual soon, so stay tuned for that. But in that, we're going to talk about hydration, sodium, supplementation, changing these macros, things like that um, in detail so you can actually get insight on what to do the day before competition, the day of competition, day after competition, so on and so forth. Uh, But then we go into postseason. And in postseason, if I can have a postseason period with an athlete, what we're going to do is we're going to lower carbohydrates a little bit because carbohydrates do create more inflammation in the body. They take more work to digest and break down. They are going to speed up the aging process. Um, Being in a super, super high carbohydrate diet 24-7 is just not healthy, and we want to maximize health during this period of time. We also don't want to leave fats too low because we are prioritizing central nervous system and hormonal recovery during that off-season, right? Once we get through a competition, we usually take some time off training, then we deload training, and then we slowly, slowly, slowly ramp training back up going into preseason. So we have a period of time where training volume is lower, therefore we're not going to need as many carbohydrates. We also just got done going so fucking hard preseason, in season, during competition, that we need to recover from a central nervous system and a hormonal perspective, or our cortisol levels are going to be fucked, our adrenal glands are going to be fucked, our hormonal system is going to be fucked, we need to repair this. The best way to do that is to bring up fats, lower carbohydrates a little, keep digestion normal, keep our calories around maintenance so we're not adding a ton of fats on top of the carbs and gaining weight in the offseason. We don't want to do that because our sport will be harder to play or compete in. But this post uh, postseason, we're going to bring up fats, bring up protein, lower carbs just a little bit. Still not in a low-carb diet. Athletes are never going to be but we're, we're shifting it enough to where we can prioritize fats in our diet, we can have more variety so we can get healthier fats in there, and we can facilitate recovery on a physiological level better, right? Nutritional periodization from a health perspective. This is the last one, and there's really only one thing I want to talk about with this, and the only thing I want to recommend with it is cyclical dieting to improve metabolic flexibility. I believe that if we're just chasing health We shouldn't be stuck in one way. We should be creating more uh, variety and diversity inside of our diet, not only from a nutrient, a micronutrient and an ingredient perspective, like eating different types of foods and colors and so on and so forth, but we should also be prioritizing periods of times where we do follow a pretty balanced diet, right? Protein, carbs, and fats. We follow a diet where it's ultra low in carbs, ultra high in fats, not necessarily keto, but maybe we do implement some keto right maybe we implement some intermittent fasting maybe we implement a higher carb approach and we push training for a while i believe that the healthiest way for our body to function is to be used to using and absorbing and utilizing all of these different nutrients that the world has given us specifically protein fats and carbs right we should be comfortable going without food for a while intermittent fasting on a on a micro scale is healthy i don't think you should do it every day But it is healthy, and it's something we should get used to. We shouldn't be controlled by food. We should control our food. We should be able to tolerate carbs, meaning our insulin sensitivity isn't bad. We don't have insulin resistance, right? We should consume carbohydrates for a faster metabolism, for a healthier thyroid, for more muscle mass. But we should also be able to handle a higher fat diet and not rely on carbohydrates. And we can use that to improve insulin sensitivity when we're not driving carbs into our body. So my point with health is simple. We're not chasing a specific goal. We're chasing blood markers. So your diet should be cyclical. Spend four to six weeks doing a higher carb approach. Then spend four to six weeks doing a keto style or just a low, uh, low carb, high fat approach. Then spend four to six weeks doing a very balanced approach and implementing one day of 20 to 24 hours of intermittent fasting. Then maybe follow a paleo-based approach. Then maybe follow a a majority plant-based approach, right? There's ways to cycle your nutrition, and I believe that is the key to maximizing health. So when we're talking about nutritional periodization and how to periodize your nutrition, if health is your number one goal, which to be completely honest with you, most people listen to this podcast, that isn't your number one goal. You want to be healthy, but most of you want to improve performance or your body composition. But I wanted to cover that too. I think the key to that is just cycling the type of nutrition protocol you're using over the year.